All right, you should have a little piece of paper that says power on the top. If you don't, raise your hand. Uh, Jeremy's got a couple extra copies. Uh, I don't know, Rich and Carol, did you get one of these papers? They've got, you got one? Or Wes and Elaine, did you get one? Okay, you want to take these? If you need a paper that says power on the top, raise your hand. Between Jeremy and Wes, they'll get you one, okay? One over there. Two up here in front, Jeremy. I got a couple extras here. Okay, everybody happy? Okay. Y'all wondering why I do topical lessons when pastor does a good job at ex exposition. So I tell him, pastor, you do the expositioning and I'll do the I'll do the topical stuff. When I was training for a ACE Christian school position, they did a lot of this kind of stuff. And um, I was a young Christian, only been saved a few years, but I really, really enjoyed it. And um, as I go through my files and as I go through my lessons over the years, a lot of them end up in the trash. But every once in a while, I find one that I need. So when I find something that I need to be reminded of, I like to share it with other people. And thus, we have our lesson tonight on power. So I'm going to just give you an acrostic on power. Let's start in Acts 1 and verse 8. <coughs> Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Now, power is not volume. Some people think power is volume and power is super aggressive and noisy. That's not my definition of power. And power to me has more to do with authority. When you have power, you have authority. When you have authority, people listen to that. And we, uh, when we share the word of God with somebody, it's the word of God that has authority. And, and that's what we want. Verse uh, 8 of Acts chapter 1. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. And then we have the pattern. Unto me both in Jerusalem, that's our church in Brookings, and in all Judea, that's the state of South Dakota, and Samaria, that's the country of the United States, and then all over the rest of the earth, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So that's our challenge with the gospel, to Minister the gospel in the power of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, as we share tracts and as we share our lives and as we pray with other people and as we have Bible studies with other people, help us to realize the power that's in your word, the dynamos, and then help us also to realize, Lord, the power that can be in our voice as we yield it to the Holy Spirit's promptings. So uh, meet with us tonight in a special way and we go over this simple lesson. Might we be encouraged by it, strengthened by it, and might we remember to use it in relationship to our witnessing to others in the days ahead. We love you, we need you, and we appreciate your help tonight in your name. Amen. <coughs> Some questions for you to think about. How are you doing in your personal walk? Uh, you know, you're here, so that's good. But you know as well as I do on Sunday morning, we have a lot more people. And as a preacher, I wonder about their personal walk. You know, you're here, I'm glad you're here, but I wonder about all those that don't make it in very often. So how's your personal walk? Secondly, how am I building aspects of God's character in me? What am I doing personally to have the character of God? As we just taught about tenderness. Do I have any tenderness in me? How is my struggle against the world, the flesh, and the devil? 
I don't know about you, but I still wrestle that, wrestle with that. Uh, the world is all over my case, and so is the flesh, and so is the devil. He, he doesn't let up. Question four, do I really want to obey Christ and follow after him? I'm sure you'd answer yes. That's why you're here. Are there areas of or sins in your life that you uh, that I have given up on? If you you've not get the victory over something, and so you just quit trying. And uh, maybe we need to request some of God's power so we can handle that. Start out here with a quote. I I would tell you who this is from, but I'm not sure who gave it to me. But I think it's very very good. Three things about this quote. <coughs> God wants us to be victors and not victims. In other words, God wants us to be able to pray in such a way that our prayers get answered. He wants us to be victorious in our prayer life and not victims. Secondly, God wants us to soar and not sink. God wants us to go upward and onward and not outward and downward. Over the years, we've lost some very, very good people in our church, and they just moved to another church. They moved to another state. They moved to another city. And my advice to them was always, if you're going out and you're going up, you have my, uh, you have my word, you have my, you have my encouragement, and my prayers go with you. But if you're going out and going down, then you need to stay here. And that's what I would tell them. And so I've always been that way. God wants us to go. He wants us to soar and not sink. If you can go to some place where you can serve more and give more and learn more of God's word, what are you waiting for? Go, go there. But in the meantime, we're here and God wants us to soar and not sink. And that's an upward progress. I don't think he wants us to just be level and mediocre all the time. I think he wants us to have some upward progress. And then thirdly, God wants us to overcome and not be overwhelmed. And that has to do with having a, having a balanced life. Uh, most of us like bonuses and we like pay raises and we like sunshine and we like good health. But God always balances that out in our life by giving us some afflictions and some trials and some difficulties to deal with. And if we didn't have those afflictions and those trials and those situations, we'd, uh, we'd be out of balance. And that's how we learn to appreciate and help others, by going through some of what they went through. Let me give you this acrostic here and we'll get started. First of all is the letter P. Okay. <coughs> and of course that is to pray. There's no power in your life if you don't pray. Okay. The older I get and I look at other ministries that have been really, really successful, I do a lot of reading and I read about these mega churches in New York and this mega church in, in downtown uh, Miami or something, and I say, how did they do that? And almost every one of them instinctively brings it back to prayer. Our growth started when our people got serious about praying. And that, that is amazing to me. And the older I get, the more I realize my day goes well if I pray. And my day doesn't go so well if I skip that part of it. So prayer is the first key to having God's power. How's your prayer life? Is it shorter and simpler than a year ago, or is it better? Uh, the reference there for letter P is Psalm 145.18. Psalm 145.18. If you'll trust me to read it, 
The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. Learning to pray. You say, well, I already know how to pray. Uh, I, I thought I knew how to pray. I was saved when I was 30, and I went to a praying Baptist church, and I didn't know anything about prayer when I got there. I couldn't believe it. They had prayer sessions like you do. And I, the only one that prayed in my church when I was young was the preacher. Nobody else prayed. We know nothing about it. But gradually, as the pastor took me under his wing and he taught me how to pray, and one night I'd pray with him, and the next night he says, I want you over there praying with Deacon Jones. And he says, I want you to go to the hospital and visit Mrs. So-and-so, and I want you to pray with her. And, and, and your prayer life grows. And if it's not growing, then uh, we're in trouble. And, uh, and the Bible says the Lord is nigh in Psalm 145, 18. He's near to those that pray. And what's the opposite of that? He's not near to you if you don't pray. And so it's very, very important that prayer is included in our outreach for power. The second word is obey. <coughs> the O in power is for the word obey. This is what shows our love to him when we're obedient. Are we serious about listening to the Holy Spirit? Uh, references there. Let's go to John 14. John chapter 14. I want you to turn there because there's several verses in a row here that are worth looking at. <coughs> John 14, starting in verse 15. Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. That's obedience. We sing the song, the kids sing the song. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it happily. Obedience is very important. Look at verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us in this area of obedience. He's a spirit of truth, it says in verse 17, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Look at verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Look at verse number 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So it's very, very important that we obey what God's word tells us to do. Uh, if you also want to write Galatians 5 along with that, I don't know if you got those ones in John 14. In John 14, it was verses 15, 21, 23, 16, and 17. 14, 15, 16, 17, 21, and 23. I know that was kind of fast, but write fast, okay? Galatians also, chapter 5, verses 16 to 25. Galatians chapter 5. Starting in verse 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. And, and walking is kind of like doing. This is how we serve the Lord. We, we walk in the Spirit. We follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's, a, there's the victory over the flesh there. Verse 17, for the flesh lusteth or warreth against the Spirit. And the Spirit against the flesh. 
And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, they're made known, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ, they have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory. Vainglory is when we do things in the flesh and we do things in our own strength rather than relying on the strength and power of God to accomplish those things. Provoking one another, the idea there is being jealous of one another, being envious. So-and-so is doing better than I have, than I'm doing. Well, maybe that person's leaning more on the Holy Spirit than you are. So uh, learn to obey and learn to obey in a way that's uh, pleasing to the Lord. <coughs> Without prayer, there's no power. Without obedience, there's no power. Let's look at the W here. The W is for worship. There's certainly no power unless we learn to worship the Lord properly. How is my private worship time? How is my private worship time? The reference there is Psalm 34 and verse 1, which says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's our private worship time. That, that's when we sing hallelujah as we're driving, as we're driving our truck at work. That's when we sing praises while we're in the shower. That's our private time. That's our private worship. Nobody around but just you and the Lord. Private worship. How's it, how's it, how's it coming along? Okay. I will bless the Lord at all times. Private worship. And then public worship. That's the next part of the, after the W for worship there. How is my public worship time? In uh, two references here, Psalm 111, verse 1, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly, in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. That's public worship time. That's when we worship with others. That's when we go to church, sing in the choir, sing in the congregation. That's when we have prayer time with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. <coughs> That's public worship. You're here tonight in public worship. Uh, if you want to write right behind Psalm 111, verse 1, write Hebrews 10, 25. Most of you know that verse. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Some people can't make it to church four times a week. As I read the Bible, the Bible says we should be doing worship time worship time eight times a week, seven times a week. So much as the more as you see the day approaching. We should be having more church services instead of less. But God is patient with us, and he realizes that in our culture we're used to this Sunday and Wednesday kind of routine. But uh, whenever the church assembles together, whenever the body of Christ assembles together, we should be there, supporting it, learning from it, singing praises with them, 
just getting along. Do others see Christ in me? 1 Peter 5 and verse 3 is the reference I have there. 1 Peter 5 and verse 3. Give me a second, I'll get there. I believe this has to do with being an example. 1 Peter 5 and verse number 3. <coughs> verse 1 talks about the elders, the leadership in the church. Verse 2 talks about feeding the flock of God, taking the oversight, not by constraint, but willingly, not with not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And then in verse 3 it says, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. I, I learned from my parents that it's it's much better to take your kids to church than it is to send them. <laughs> okay. Take your kids to church. My parents sent us to church. Of course, with 10 kids, they were probably just after some peace and quiet, right? They probably thought, oh, for one hour on Sunday morning, we can have some peace and quiet. Let's send them all to church. But you know, kids don't learn as well that way. They learn better if we take them, take them by the hand and we take them to church. And, and we become an example to them. And that's what we need to do. We need to um, not force them and drive them, but just be a good example and lead them. And uh, that's what worship's all about. Private worship and public worship. The E is for evangelize. If we don't learn to pray, we have no power. If we don't learn to obey, we have no power. If we don't know how to worship, we'll have no power. And if we don't know how to evangelize, now, I'm not picking on you. I know most of you evangelize. You don't even realize you're doing it. Evangelism is not just praying the sinner's prayer after reading him the Romans road. That's, that's where things start. But evangelism is where you're continually connecting with people. One of our professors at college said, nine out of ten people that we witness to, we witness in less than three minutes. So you see a coworker and you have three minutes with him. Do they see Christ in you? Uh, you see somebody downtown and you, you hold the door open for a, a nice little old lady. That's witnessing. And witnessing is very important. And, and it does rub up against evangelism. Because if you're nice to somebody nine times for just two minutes each, sooner or later that, individu that individual is going to say, hey, let's go out for lunch. Now you'll have them for a whole hour. And if you eat as much as Jeremy does, you'll have them for two hours, okay? But uh, you'll have them for a long time. So you take these little, these little short little nudges of evangelism. Hi, thank you. Hey, I'll be praying for you. You take those short little nudges and then eventually you get a, an opportunity to have quality and quantity time with an individual. Evangelism is important. The gospel is to be shared. We already read Acts 1.8. And it says if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. The Holy Ghost has come upon you when you're saved. And it says, you shall be witnesses. It's not a request. He says, you will, you will witness. Growth comes best and fastest through evangelism. And uh, I really believe that. I've worked with a lot of Timothys over the years. Even in my work with Nick. <laughs> I remember the first time Nick and I went out to evangelize a fellow at, the, at Perkins. And uh, Nick says, I'm never going to forget that. 
Well, anyway, the guy got a little rough with us and a little carried away. He spoke to tongue, spoke in tongues to us and everything. But uh, that, that causes young people to want to grow. It causes young people to go home and get their Bible out and say, how could I, how could I handle that differently? What can I say next time? Um, sharing the gospel with others is one of the greatest ways to grow fast. The reference there under E for evangelize is the old text, familiar text, Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. I know you all know it and you have it memorized because of our challenges that we get from our Sunday school teacher. But uh, I'm going to read it anyway, and I'm going to turn there so I don't twix up the words. Verse 18 and Jesus came, he's talking to the disciples, and he told them, all power is given unto me. Now in Acts 1, verse 8, it's given unto us, but in Matthew 28, 18, the Lord says, all power is given unto me. In heaven and on earth, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's not three baptisms, that's one baptism. And baptism, the more I've studied new believers, is a pretty important big step. And uh, if people aren't willing to take that pretty important big step, we've come to a little bit of a roadblock. Because if they're not willing to be obedient in that one big important step, how are they going to be obedient in other areas? And I would imagine everybody in this room has probably already taken care of that baptism issue, but... It's important to young Christians that you take them down that road and get them into the church and let them see the importance of believers' baptism. And then it says in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And he says, by the way, you don't have to do this all by yourself because the last part of the verse says, and lo, I am with you always. He goes with us even unto the end of the world okay and then the last one here the p is for pray and the o is for obey the w is for worship and the e is for evangelize the r is very simple is for reading for reading god's word god's word getting our daily vitamins getting our daily basics reference there after the word basic first peter 2 and verse 2 we're to be as newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. I'll never forget what one college professor taught me. He said, he said, that's not the idea that milk is less and meat is more. He said, the idea there is as a little baby longs for mother's milk. The hunger is there. And you and I ought to always be hungry for the word of God. Like a little baby is hungry for milk. You and I ought to always be hungry for the Word of God. That's how we get the meat, because we start out with that great hunger. And the meat is when we get real complicated and real sophisticated and start using 16-cylinder words. That's what a lot of people think. But I think there's, there's more to be learned in depth when it comes to studying things than there is in width. Um, I've always felt I, I would rather have a small church with 20 people and great depth than a church of 5,000 that are shallow. 
That's just me. And I, I think the Lord wants us to always maintain a hunger and uh, have a strong desire for God's Word. Uh, after 1 Peter 2 and verse 2, that was the one about newborn babes, write down Hebrews 5, Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. <coughs> Give me a second, I'll get there. I'm pretty close. And I'll read it to you. We're almost done. You're still awake? Say amen. Okay, I got several people are still awake. That's a good thing. Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 12. <coughs> By reading and hearing the word of God, it says, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now, this is a little different. This is talking about the deeper parts of God's word. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat, in other words, a strong understanding, a strong comprehension of truth, belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of their use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Leaders are readers. Your last couple of phrases there. Leaders are readers. Somebody told me just this week, I counseled a fellow on the phone for <laughs> quite a length of time. Um, they call him and just Pastor, I need to read your word more often. And I said, boy, we all need that. I told him, I said, you know, readers are leaders. Uh, you need to be well read. Uh, I I probably read more lighter stuff. I should probably read some more heavy stuff. But I found out that the average church congregation isn't into the real heavy and the and the complicated stuff. More of them are into the middle of the shelf category. So that's where I read middle of the shelf a lot. But uh, readers are leaders. It says in Psalm one nineteen verse one hundred five. If you want to write that in there, the Lord is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Reading is the first vital step to our faith and practice. In the last reference on your paper, Romans 10, 17. You all know what it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Just read it. There's no book like this book any, any place on the planet. And, and we need to just read it. And even if we don't get it, just keep reading it. The more you read it, the richer it gets. And the more you avoid it, the more troubles you seem to have that you can't understand. So keep reading. Did you get all the blanks? Anybody did missed any blanks? Raise your hand. Okay, y'all got all the blanks? You're all happy? Y'all ready to go home? Stand up, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll send you home. Wes, why don't you dismiss us in prayer tonight, please?